Hey feminist fans and welcome to Real Feminism, the podcast where we discuss films from an intersectional feminist perspective. We are back! You are all welcome. (laughs) We came back, it is season two and it is spooky season, or at least it will be when this airs and I'm really excited for future us to be in the spooky seasons. So before we get into discussing the film today, uh, let's have a chat. Today I'm joined by Hedvig. Hello, Hedvig. Hello. <laughs> Hello. And obviously I'm your host, Joe. I don't know if I mentioned that at the start. It's been a while. It's been several months. I actually can't remember when we last recorded something. June? Yeah, I think it was June. Yeah, I think we're all a bit rusty. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you found this, but I think I've become more extroverted following the pandemic. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm now taking iron tablets, so I have a lot more energy. Mm. I feel much more capable of doing social things and being outside doing things, whereas before I'd be like, please no one talk to me for days on end. Yeah, but I think, don't you also think that it's because now the options of things, I mean, now things are opening up again, but the options of doing things and opportunities to do things have been so limited. So you have really cherished the ones where you have gotten the opportunity to actually meet people and you have like spent all your sort of built up energy then rather than, you know, pushing it out over like a week where you have like small commitments all the time. Also, I think the whole thing about, I found it really exhausting to go back to the office Mm. We're, we're back three days a week now and it's just something about a there's people to like talk to and I think people also want to chat because they haven't talked to anyone else except their cat dog or mm-hmm. for, for you know like a year and a half so everyone just wants to chat and I find it really stressful because I, I love talking to people and I think it's really nice but instead of you know have been at home being able to focus and taking breaks and have a very sort of structured work day now it's sort of broken up into all these small intermissions of just like talking to people mm. so I found that really stressful. Also just like the traveling aspect of it is going to be tiring and I'm moving around a lot more. It Not is super excited. But having said that, I did have a few days in the office a couple of months ago and it was actually really nice. And we're a really small team. So there aren't loads and loads of people coming in trying to talk to you, which is nice. Mm. But it, it did feel nice being like, oh, there are people here and I'm at work instead of just being at home. And then when work's over, closing my laptop and being like, well, I'm still here. Definitely. What do I do now? <laughs> I agree. I think it's really nice to get that clean break when you leave your sort of working space and you leave completely and go to completely other area, which is your living space. Mm -hmm. So much easier to just like shut off, I think. Yeah. Also, I guess also coming into the office, it's really nice to just see people in general. Like I, my, the studio I work in is uh, very central. It's just like five minute walk from Oxford Circus. And it's, it's quite nice. Like it's stressful and fun at the same time because you have, you know, so many people, but then you also have a lot of people to watch. So it's quite fun to just like see other people than the ones you've seen in your like flat complex or the local area also food wise I really love to like have gone out and had food which is not like a cafe next to my house <laughs> mm, yeah it's been really nice not having to cook mm. seven days a week three times a day yeah definitely I really hated that yeah. a lot <laughs> in exciting news since we 
had our season break, I started volunteering at the Vagina Museum. Ah! Which... Yeah, I remember that. I haven't asked you about it. Oh my God, it's so lovely. Everyone there is very cool and they're obviously all feminists and there's a lot of people there who are non-binary or trans and polyamorous or in open relationships. I think the first person I met on my first shift, he was just very cool and she was saying oh well once my shift has ended I'm going to my next job now which is at an axe throwing place I was like what what she was like yeah I just I do axe throwing competitions and I've opened up my own axe throwing venue I don't know what they're called and I was like that's cool and then one of the people who came in to replace her on the shift was like a pole dancer in her spare time I was like oh my god these people are amazing this is really exciting to get to just lots of cool new people Mm. and also just being at the museum as well is really fun at the moment it's in Camden but sadly Camden don't want them there anymore why I don't know but they've basically from what I've been told by the the woman who founded the museum the market wants to put a big clothes shop where the museum is and they've offered them a space upstairs but it's not big enough for what Mm. the museum needs so they're looking for somewhere new so by the time this comes out, they won't be in Camden Market anymore. Otherwise, I'd say, come and see me in Camden. Funny, like, I've been actually following the Vagina Museum for a couple of years when there were sort of uh, crowdfunding and getting into all of that. And I think I was a patron at the beginning as well. Uh, so it's fun to see it's sort of that it all sort of bore fruit and that it's actually a physical space now. Yeah, and they get really busy as well. They're still following COVID restrictions. So at the moment, it's 30 capacity at any time. Um, And when I left on Saturday, there were people queuing to get in. And one of the great things about being at Camden and what will be really sad about not being there anymore is although we do have a lot of people coming in who have booked, we also have a load of people who just walk past them and are like, oh, what's this? Mm. Oh, this sounds cool. I'll come in. Or in one case, we had a guy who was with loads of kids, like 11-year-old, 12-year-old boys who I think saw the word vagina and were like, oh my God, dad, can we go in? We have to go in, we have to go in. And they had a great time and were really excited about it all. Initially, I thought, oh, they're going to be really annoying, but they were actually just really excited and wanted to talk about vaginas. Oh, I know. <laughs> so they want to find somewhere else that will have that same level of footfall, but we will see. And Camden's really easy for me. A, it's my favourite place in London, and B, it's so easy for me to get to from where I live. I don't have to get the tube. It's just the one train and then I can walk. Very exciting. I'm very happy for you, John. Thank you. That's been the biggest development in my life Um, in the last two months. Very exciting. Very exciting. Everything else is the same. Okay, shall we get into discussing Candyman? Yeah. Which is what we're talking about today, Uh, which I'm really excited about because I went to see the new one recently and loved it. So I thought this would be a good one for spooky season. Hopefully, by the time this comes out, most people will have seen the new one. But don't worry, we won't be spoiling anything. You haven't seen the new one, have you, Hedwig? No. Is the new one a remake or is it a sequel? It is a sequel. It's really good. And I won't say anything to spoil it for either you or our listeners. So if you haven't seen the new one, that's fine. Don't worry. So the OG Candyman was released in 1992. And it was directed by a guy called Bernard Rose. So yeah, it was written, the actual story, so it was a book, was written by Clive Barker. And upsettingly, given that Candyman is a black man, and other than him, I'd say the main character of the film is a white woman, 
no one working behind the scenes was anything but a white man. It's like the editors, the writers, the cinematographer, the composer, I can't remember who else I looked at, are all white men, mm. which is sad. Mm. Annoying. But the new one was directed by a black woman, which is very cool. And it was produced by Jordan Peele. And I think he had a hand in writing the script as well. So they've definitely fixed that for the new one. So that's good. And I think I saw somewhere that she's the first black woman to ha- direct a film that's been a box office hit. Mm. I think. Don't yeah. quote me on that, but I saw something briefly, like when things come up on Facebook, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I carried on with my life. Mm. Anyway, so The Candyman is a story about um, a woman who is studying urban myths for university, and she comes across the story of The Candyman whereby if you say the Candyman's name five times in the mirror, he will appear and kill you. So for some reason, people are still like, oh, should we just do it? Should we just try? And obviously they do that in the film and get killed. But he has a kind of fascination with the main character, Helen Lyle, which we will get into a bit more. And she ends up being framed for some of the murders and stuff that he's doing. And she ends up having to be, he keeps saying things like, come to me to die, be my victim, and stuff like that. I actually have a couple of quotes here. He says things like, I'm the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. And he also says things like, without these things, I'm nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. Come with me. He also says things like, (laughs) I'm rumor. It's a blessed condition. Believe me, to be whispered about at street corners. To live in other people's dreams, but not have to be. Yeah, which is really cool because it's kind of talking about how he's been made real by this urban legend. And I don't know if that's the point in the book, but I like the idea that he exists because people make him exist. They talk about him and they believe in him. Just like fairies in whatever film. Oh, in Hook, I think, where every time I say I don't believe in fairies, a fairy dies. Anyway, that's a very different film. (laughs) Although both featuring a hook. True, very true. Anyway, so as I mentioned, we've got Helen Lyle to talk about. And we also have on the female side, so white female, I should specify. We also have Haley, who is a student who ends up having an affair with Helen's husband. And then on the intersectional side, we have the Candyman, because he is a black man. Also very handsome. Oh, do you think? I was cut off by the bees and the Uh coat. And that was my first reaction. When he appeared the first time and he actually saw his face, I was like, he's so hot. How could, <laughs> how could he be a villain? Like, that was my my first thing. Like, And I think that also added to... Oh, this is so superficial. But I think, for me, that added to the scariness of the film that I found him very attractive. <laughs> you were like, yes, I will be your victim. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Candyman. Yeah. So we've got the Candyman, we've got Bernadette, who is Helen's friend, and I guess co-worker, co-researcher. They're doing this project together on urban myths. And then we have Anne-Marie, who is a woman whose child is stolen by the Candyman, who lives in the projects. So the film passes the female backdale test many times over. I didn't bother writing a specific example because a lot of times in the film, Helen and Bernadette are discussing urban legends and Caprini, 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 the green. (laughs) So that was really cool. I don't think it passes the intersectional Bechdel test because although there are times where Anne-Marie is talking to Bernadette, it's always Bernadette with Helen there and Mm. it's not 
just the two of them talking directly to each other. So although there are quite a few black characters in the film, I don't think it passes. Oh yeah, they're always yeah. communicating with Helen, aren't they? Yeah. All of yeah, I think so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Jake talks to the little boy, talks to the police officer who's black. Yeah, account. that's true, actually. I didn't write Jake or him down because I got bored on IMDb and right. also couldn't remember the characters. were like, are they important? Are they important? I mean, that, that was a minor scene anyway. So, yeah, but yeah. that might have been it. I can't remember. But we should note that the majority of the background characters in the film are black so we have all the people who live at Cabrini Green which are the projects there we saw people in the background working as cleaners and police officers and the police sergeant detective chief whatever he was I don't know the head policeman was also black so there are a lot of background characters in the film who were black as well and it was nice to see that although they were cleaners they were also police officers so they weren't just being put in more I guess domestic roles that might be traditionally associated with black people mm. that felt nice okay so was this your first time seeing this film yeah it was okay what did you think because this is my second time and I wasn't as bothered about it the first time but then I saw the new film and obviously rewatched this yesterday and I'm just so excited about Candyman <laughs> you're so excited yeah I mean to be Completely honest, I was not very impressed. I didn't fall in love with this film. I'm not also maybe a major horror fan. Like, I can watch horror films, but I get very scared and I tend to forget about the narrative. But I liked... I One thing that stood out for me, just if we talk about the craft and the film itself, was the soundtrack and how they worked with sound, which was so good. And that it sort of created this, not scary, but very sort of melancholic atmosphere rather than being just like, you know, big strings and like, it was very (laughs) ethereal and big, Mm. which I thought was really nice. I mean, I think it's interesting as well from like craft perspective that the villain or the bad person, I don't know, do you say villain in horror films? No, you say like monster, creature. Murderer? I guess it's a spirit or yeah whatever it is the bad person I thought it was interesting that he had a bit of backstory to him but then I don't think that was then reflected further on like in his actions and sort of who he was but yeah no I thought it was I thought it was an okay film definitely I think I was also just a bit bothered again about you know the sneaky nipple and side boobs like and that she like it's the whole thing again I think this type of filmmaking has changed quite a lot as well but this sort of need for women to always look attractive Mm -hmm. even though when even when she was in the end scene when she's sort of about to die and she's in the fire and still when she's like in there she still looks extremely hot (laughs) I mean she was obviously hot because she was in the middle of a fire but you know what I mean I think the only time she wasn't attractive was when she crawls out of the fire and her hair is burnt off, basically. So that was also something that just bothered me a bit. Like when she was sort of, when she was uh, institutionalized at this mental clinic, she still was like looking super fresh. And I don't know, it was just something was sm- smeared in blood and she was like still hot. I think it's the whole thing. It's the sort of the same thing when we talked about Jurassic Park and you know, the running in heels thing. Like, yeah how to always sort of position the women as like attractive objects rather than an actual character and how they would act in that scenario uh, or look in that scenario for that 
for that sake. So I think that just, yeah, it, I just found that a bit annoying. But as a whole, I think it was an, it was an okay film. Also, it was pretty scary, to be honest. <laughs> I quite liked Helen. I kind of liked that she she was wearing quite normal clothes that seemed appropriate for what she was doing at the university. And I feel like they could easily have gone away with her where they'd made her wear high heels and had made her look a specific way as a uni. True. Whatever she was, postgraduate, she yeah. can't have been undergrad. Yeah. Um, she was maybe, I'm just, maybe I'm just being a really bad feminist and because she's extremely good looking. And <laughs> no, 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 you're, you're not at all. Um, it's, it's annoying that we have to kind of pick apart things like that so much because we, we have to. Um, she has beautiful breasts. That's a very bad feminist thing to say. But I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. that was the thing. I think that they had to show that in a way. It, it didn't feel natural. Yeah post you know and when she was in a in the bath and you can see like t- a tiny bit of a nipple and I was like that is so like calculated you know how yeah. to make it look sexy while she's like super distressed and obviously very anxious and have experienced this horrible experience so yeah what I did love about her though her character is that she's incredibly confident and inquisitive and courageous throughout the whole film I mean possibly very naive as well but then obviously for her she's investigating something that she doesn't believe is real she knows that a woman got murdered but she doesn't believe that it was by this Candyman creature and she at one point she does actually say like Candyman five times in the mirror because she just doesn't she doesn't believe that it's a thing so I guess there is some naivety in the way that she approaches the projects and the people who are living there but I really loved seeing how just inquisitive she was about it all and that she was working really hard to uncover what had happened and to learn more about the Candyman. Obviously it backfired because then she became the Candyman's bitch. Um, That was, everyone dies, not great for her. Yeah, just thinking back at this as well now though, I'm thinking how also her actions of like going out to the project, she doesn't know anything about how it is living there. She doesn't know anything about the culture and the rituals and the community itself. And then for her to sort of just impose herself into that and sort of force herself onto these people and try to find some sort of truth, not because she wants to do the right thing, because she wants to know this facts for her thesis. Like it's a completely, what do you call it? It's a completely self, self-interest. It's just from, for, for her own good. Like she's, I don't think her initial her initial thoughts was not to help the people in the projects. It, it was just so she wanted to gather information about her project, her thesis. So that could also come across a bit problematic in that sense, I think. Yeah, there was a lot of white privilege there, I think, as well, in because her friend Bernadette is way more hesitant to be going to the projects, to be hanging around, to be crawling through holes in the wall. And we obviously don't know Bernadette's background, and I don't want to assume, but she certainly seems more aware yeah and considerate than Helen did I mean particularly when Helen was just going to crawl through the wall and Bernadette's like you don't know if someone's there dealing drugs you can't just crawl through there I also something about the way that Helen talks to Jake was a bit problematic for me where did I write it down oh yeah so she's she's talking to this kid Jake who lives at the projects and she's trying to get information out of him about what happened to this I think it's Ruthie the woman who was killed and he doesn't really want to say anything to her and she's like oh it's fine I'm not the cops it's okay 
And then at the end, she's saying to him like, oh, maybe you don't have to say anything to me. You can just show me where Candyman is unless you're too scared. Mm. And I was like, you're manipulating a child. <laughs> yeah. Maybe don't do that. Maybe he has a good reason to be scared because you're going to find out. Yeah, that made me uncomfortable. Yeah. And also when she was like, don't worry, it's our secret. I was like, well, you're putting this into a thesis. Yeah, it's not going to be a secret. No, I mean, obviously she can keep his name a secret, but his fear is that Candyman will know that I've told on him. Yeah. And if Candyman is a mythical being, then he, I feel like him not having his name in her thesis wouldn't protect him because he will just know. But I think even though, because my theory first, like when I sort of knew that the Candyman actually existed as a mythical creature, I thought it was, you know, one of the guys just on the estate that sort of dressed up as Candyman and then executed these people that might have crossed them somehow uh, as with a cover of being Candyman. So I mean, even though if Candyman wasn't a mythical creature, that would have still have been super dangerous for this kid because then he that would have put him in as much danger. So yeah, I just found that, yeah, I also found that quite uncomfortable. And she's not in a position to offer him any kind of protection or anything like that. So that was not great. And then the other thing was, I think when her and Bernadette are driving to the projects for the first time, Bernadette says, we look like cops. And Helen is like, no, don't be silly. I just have to dress conservatively. It's fine. And then... The, they meet a group of young men at the projects who are like, who are you? Where are you going? What are you doing? Um, and then they they think that they're cops and they call out to everyone there to warn them that the cops are here. And as they're walking up the stairs, Helen's like, see, it's fine. They think we're cops. They're not going to bother us. And I was mm. like, a minute ago, you were making Bernadette seem like she's stupid for thinking that they're going to think that. Mm. And now that they do think that, you're making it seem like it was your idea all along and that I don't know. It was just a bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like that she is driving the plot and that she is very confident. It's just obviously being a white woman in that environment when she doesn't know, it seems like anything about the projects. It's And, and as you say, she's going there for her own self-gain. She's not going because the police haven't done anything about it. Mm-hmm. and She wants to get justice for the family or anything like that. She's just... She just wants her project to be really good. Yeah, exactly. And obviously her actions leads that to the people get hurt and even murdered. Like, so in in a way, she is part of that. The only thing she does say that was interesting is after she's been, so she gets assaulted in these toilets by, I don't know whether they're a gang, but like a group of men who beat her up. They're pretending to be Candyman. And she says to Bernadette, like, what really annoys me is that two people get killed. I don't think she specifically says black people in the film, but she says two people get killed and nothing happens and a white woman gets attacked and they lock the whole place down. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, she's aware to some degree that that's a problem. So maybe that sort of indicated, though, that she had some sort of underlying purpose outside her own self gain for a thesis. I don't know, maybe she actually cared. It wasn't sort of positioned as that was her main drive to do that. No, I agree. There was something else. Oh, the other thing is when, so Bernadette's in her flat and she's showing Bernadette pictures from the newspaper and she's explaining that the building that they're in is what would or was meant to be Cabrini Green. And she says, once it was finished, the city soon realised that there was no barrier between here and the Gold Coast 
No freeway or L train to keep the ghetto cut off. So they did some minor alterations, clad the cinder block in plaster and sold the lot off as condos. So I thought it was quite interesting that she's talking about how the ghetto, in inverted commas, is very much created by, I guess, the American government and local authorities to keep black people in a specific place and keep them cut off. And that once they'd built this building and realised they weren't going to be cut off, they were like, oh, let's just turn this into condos and sell them for lots of money. Which was interesting because there's been some criticism from a lot of white people that the new film is too woke and it is definitely more woke than this film, which is great. But it's interesting that in this film, there is an awareness of racism and of privilege. Like there is pockets of it there. So it's not like the way that it's been taken. I think it's Nia DaCosta is the director. So like, it's not like the way that it was taken is completely out of the blue or couldn't have been done Mm -hmm. and they talk a lot more about the projects and how places get gentrified and all of that kind of stuff Mm, in that new film that is interesting because i think also the sort of overarching theme for this film is how prejudice and sort of misconceptions about people can actually become a reality and like that sort of that i think also them meeting Anne marie Mm. they just realized that it's like a woman just like them uh, especially when she says, do you have kids on your own? And she was like, no, I'd love to have one. They sort of have a bonding session. I think that is also sort of breaking that barrier because before then she was, they were just really scared to go there, but then they found something that was sort of, that they were like, they could relate to, like a woman, young woman living there with her child. And I think that made it a bit more human for them as well, rather than being yeah. just the ghetto or the place where where people get murdered, basically. Yeah, people get shot, which I think they comment on, like, people get shot there all the time. Yeah. Um, And then, again, like, we're not going to talk too much about the new film, but when I was watching the film last night, it struck me how uncomfortable it is to watch a black man being um, kind of lecherous and attacking a white woman, purely because society views white women as being very vulnerable and delicate and needing protection, whereas black men are viewed as being aggressive and dangerous. And the reason why Candyman was killed is because he fell in love with a landowner's daughter who was white. They fell in love, she became pregnant, and it felt a bit uncomfortable watching it because they weren't trying... I think just because it kind of fulfilled stereotypes that people have about black men. Whereas with the new one, it is not about that at all. And it it doesn't, or it doesn't feel like it reinforces those kind of stereotypes and that it doesn't feel uncomfortable to watch it. Because obviously not fun to watch anyone being stalked by a weird bee man. So what made me uncomfortable wasn't that, oh, it's a black man chasing a white woman. It was just knowing that people are going to watch this thinking or this affirms how I feel about black men, that they're dangerous and white women need to be protected from them. So it's nice that it's not like that in the new one. And I I don't know because of the way that he dies and the, the whole idea is that I think she's meant to be the woman he fell in love with. But it's still, and like at the end, he's like touching her boob and he's like using his hook to lift up her skirt and he kisses her. And it was all just very uncomfortable. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. I agree. I think it was weird because it's sort of, 
there was moments where I think Kahneman was portrayed as a victim rather than a predator. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't then manifested in his actions. Like the creators didn't, yeah, didn't ma- manifest like his very sad story in how he actually acted. And that I think sort of then made his past a lie in a way like that. Then you wouldn't believe that it was actually a love story, but he was just a predator, which yeah. I- so I think the motives behind him sort of reappearing as a spirit was vague because then I think, wouldn't he want to revenge the people who sort of lynched him? Or like, wouldn't he want to revenge the like his murderers? Mm-hmm. That sort of, I, I think that was, I was confused when I finished this film because that would have been, I think, a more natural motive that he would want to, yeah, revenge the people, like go to, I don't know, the condos and haunt them I don't know (laughs) yeah that would make more sense um and again the new film it's just so good because everything does make a lot more sense and it it goes in a way that you're like yeah of course this is what it would be this is how it should be but yeah you're right when they're telling the story about him so I think he, he either died or was born in 1890 I can't remember all I've written in my book is 1890 so he was the son of a slave who had a talent as an artist and he was commissioned to paint the portrait of a landowner's daughter, which is the woman he fell in love with and impregnated. And then when the landowner found out about this, like him and loads of, I think it says that he hired like a gang of hooligans or whatever. And they chased him to Caprini Green. They sawed off his hand with a rusty blade, smeared him in honey, like all over his naked body. And then he died by bee stings, which is where the bees come from. And then they burn his body. And again, the new film explains a bit more about why he's called Candyman. And it makes a lot more sense. Because in this, you're like, I guess, is is it because of the honey? And Mm. he's now literally candy? I don't know. Mm. You see at one point, like, sweets that have got blades in them. Everything just makes so much more sense in the new one. I feel like this is really good bones and good structure and it's just been elevated Mm. it's great and it's annoying that so many people are like oh but it's just woke and it's stupid because they're stupid we didn't need a carbon copy of the old film no of course not that is the whole thing with remakes or sequels like it shouldn't be the same Mm. yeah maybe (sighs) they should focus less on her side boobs and more on Candyman's story yeah I don't think there are any boobs in the new one from what I remember Mm. No boobs. And there, there was a gay couple as well, which is really cool. Also, and the only bit that I will spoil because it's more to do with cinematography than plot, but in the opening of Candyman, the camera is looking down on the city, whereas in the new film, it's looking straight up at the sky. So it's like you're lying on a stretcher being dragged through the city and you're just seeing up all of the skyscrapers to the misty sky above. And it was only when I rewatched the old one that I was like, oh, my God, they've literally reversed Mm. opening to the film, but also kind of made it better because it was so disconcerting being in a position where you feel like you're being almost like dragged through the street, looking up at the sky in that way. So you never see the sky like that Mm. at all. So it was it was really disconcerting, but very exciting to see that they'd done the mirror image because mirrors obviously are such a huge part of. Um, the Candyman story and mythology. So that was really cool. When I watched it last night, I was like, oh my God, Lee, Lee, I believe this. <laughs> okay. This will ruin the end of the film for people who haven't seen it. 
But I really liked that Helen got to kill her husband at the end of the film. Yes. Because, or partner, I don't know if they were actually married, but he was such a dick throughout the whole film. I really hated him. Like, from the first time we see him, where um, she's she's basically noticed that Haley, who later on in the film we discover has been sleeping with her boyfriend, partner, husband, whatever. She clocks that right at the start. She's like, oh, who's that girl? She clearly has a thing for you. She can't look me in the eyes and she was blushing. And he's like, you don't really think that, do you? Like that he would do anything? And I was like, ooh, you gaslighting son of a bitch. You're cheating on her. Yeah, he's such a dick. I hate him. I hate him so much. Such a dick. And then she says something like, oh, because when she walks in, he's doing a lecture on urban legends. And she says to him, I thought you said you were going to wait a month to do that because of something that she was doing. I don't know whether she wanted her work to be included. I don't know. But he's like, oh, well, you can't expect me to wait around for you to be doing this and to hold back their education. So don't be mad. Mm. I was just like... If you've agreed to something, she has a right to be annoyed that you've suddenly just been like, oh, well, I'm just going to do this now. Such a dick, yeah. From that point of view, I think it's it's interesting because also I think I never really saw Helen as a victim. Mm. If we look at sort of, I guess, her from a sort of woman in a horror film, like the, I feel like a very common narrative for women in horror is that they get butchered some way or another and usually like sexual violence maybe I'm just pulling this out of my ass like I'm not a horror <laughs> expert <laughs> but this is how I how this okay this is my preconception about horror so I thought it was nice to see as you mentioned earlier on as well like she was I feel like she was a very strong character and she was never really victimized even though she was sort of under a spell from Candyman and like mm. murder and stuff I didn't really see her as a victim because she's sort of she sort of got th- herself into this mess on her own. <laughs> but also because I feel like she was very, she was very active throughout. Like she, as you said as well, she was like driving a lot of the narrative. She took sort of, she took actions and she was very, she took like different initiatives to do things and explore things. And, and the same with her husband, I feel like. It was that sort of trust for him very long. And then after she was obviously hospitalized and then to discover that he was cheating, that I think she just saw, saw everything through a different light and obviously revenged him later on. Mm. But yeah, no, I think I think that was actually from sort of female lead point of view. She's a quite cool character in that sense and very aware in a way but also naive at the same time. Oh my God, so many contradictions. But <laughs> Well, it's cool though, because that means that she's a complicated character. She's mm. not one dimensional, which is really nice because we obviously don't see that that often. Yeah, she definitely walks into it with Candyman. Like she went about things in a bad way, but she also literally called him yeah. in the mirror. So I'm a bit like, and because of that, she ends up getting loads of people killed. And that was... That was all her doing. Like, even in the office, when she's in this psychiatrist's office and she's trying to explain to him that she's not she's not insane, Candyman is real. And she's like, look, I'll call him for you. Yeah. And then he obviously arrives and kills that man. <laughs> yeah, I, was I was like, what do you think he would do? Like, ta-da, I'm real. Da, 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 la, la, da, da, da. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what she thought 
I mean, obviously she was desperate because if if she had made him up, then that meant that she killed her best friend and stole that baby and that she's this awful person who could do that. But yeah, I just, her husband, I remember when we first watched it with Lee. So I think she had an inkling that he was cheating on her because when she's in the prison, she calls him at 3am and there's no answer. At that point, she doesn't know the time and she says to the police officer, do you know what the time is? And I don't know whether she was asking as a, this is weird. My husband's not answering the phone. Where is he? And then later she asks him and he was like, I was here, I was fast asleep. Um, and we've seen the shot, like they show the bed empty and um, the phone ringing. So we know that's a lie. I think you can tell that she's like, mm. definitely, definitely suspicious. Mm. Yeah. And I remember when I was watching it with Lee, that bit where she comes in and her house has been painted pink. Yeah. And Haley is there just like painting away. And she's like, what the fuck? yeah doing in my house and I think Lee was said something like well she had killed people he thinks she's killed people I guess and it has been a month and I was like a month (laughs) if I'm ever framed for murder and I come home after a month and you've moved someone in and they've painted I'm gonna be furious not that I think he would do that because he's a lovely man but I would be furious and he didn't even apologize he was just like Helen I think we should call the hospital. And I was like, you so, you fucking apologise. She's done nothing wrong. I know you don't know that, but yeah. painted? She's yeah. not just moved in, she's fuming. That was the bit that angered me the most in this film. I was like, what an asshole!" Yeah. Sorry, Lee. Horrible. I think there's also something with their relationship where I think he thinks... Okay, I think there's something with Trevor and Helen's relationship where he finds her very dominating and very sort of active and I think he finds that passiveness in Haley, and I think that's also sort of manifested in this very pink girlish color that she then paints their home in because it's such a contrast to Helen as a character because even though she's very pretty and she's very good looking and that annoyed me the whole film <laughs> uh, she is still very strong so I think that is also something about that and maybe weaved into you know like men wanting you know passive naive girls rather than like a strong not very stereotypically girly yeah woman yeah I agree because there was that bit at the end where he's locked himself in the bathroom because he's upset that Helen is dead and we can see that Ellie's obviously really fucking annoyed with him she was like oh it's just gonna cook us something to eat and then she's like slamming stuff down in the kitchen and but you see her walking around in a a white top like a tight white top and she's not wearing a bra which you know it's fine do what you want but I think in this context I was like oh it just feels like a stereotypical man thing to do to... Well, but I feel like I feel like there was a lot of boobs just like not <laughs> obvious boobs but just like boobs in general like it's definitely like the styling and sort of set design, not set design, but like the styling, I guess, of the character is definitely from male gaze, I think. Yeah. Not Helen's like outfit so much because they're so functional and not formal, but but functional. Makes sense. Yeah, they make sense. But then like, you know, the bathroom scenes or the undressing at the police station, Haley's boobs through her t-shirt, like I just feel like someone wanted to make it like sexy and mm. and yeah, it was yeah, you just oh my god. We need to do the first Halloween film on here at some point. It's, Lee and I watched that while he's 
obviously seen it many times. I watched it for the first time last year. And genuinely, I think every female character who is killed has her tits out. And there are occasions where they have the most ridiculous reasons to be getting their tits out right before they're about to be killed. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, like, oh no, I saw something down this top and I'm babysitting, but I'm just going to wash my clothes in their washing machine. I'll just get naked. And I was so, what? No, I can't, no, this is awful. What the fuck? I cannot deal with it. So maybe because I've seen that extreme, I don't find this as bad. So I'm like, <laughs> at least most of the people who were killed or all of the people are clothed. Mm. Jesus, we do need to do yeah, Halloween. Yeah. Boobs is Oof. not a bad thing. Like I, I appreciate boobs in film in general. Like I think it's, I mean, it's, it's nice when it's appropriate and when it fits the scene. But I think it's just the whole thing about like forcing it into, you know, segments where it doesn't feel natural. No. It's just, yeah, it's not great. I didn't mind it so much in Haley. I think because. It felt like it fit in with her character being this very young, perky, I can't remember if she's blonde, but in my head she's blonde, girly thing. And also because I feel like she is meant to be this kind of male fantasy and that's why he's with her, because she is this young, wants to have sex, is going to cook you your meals and is going to look hot while she's doing it, Mm. fantasy thing. Because I think then part of the reason why he's really upset because you get flashbacks to the difference between perky booby Haley doing it and also can I just say Helen's boobs were great <laughs> but back to where Helen doesn't just have her tits out while she's cooking and she's really excited and running around and you get flashbacks to that and at that point I was thinking I wonder if he's regretting leaving her like obviously he's upset that she's dead but it almost felt like he's realized that what I have here isn't a real thing this this is a fantasy what I have with Hayley whereas Helen was was real she was a fully formed person and not this perky mm. thing oh, but now I feel bad for Hayley like yeah that's, that's also like a, a horrible situation to be in yeah it is <sighs> I don't it's know not nice for her at all and also um, from from her perspective she's fallen in love with her professor at university And his ex-wife or his current wife has stolen a baby and murdered people in the home that you've now moved into. And then she suddenly turns up and is like, go on, Hayley, call the hospital. And she's like, oh, Trevor. (laughs) Yeah, I would probably react the same. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, your crazy ex is here. She's going to kill me. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, no, I think Haley is very much like the sexy other woman. Like she doesn't have much substance to her, but also she doesn't have a big, like her character is not that big in the film either, I guess. Her role is pretty small. She's mainly just a side character. But it would have been interesting to see a bit more of her point of view. Like why, why would she engage in this insane situation even? Like why would you even engage with someone that has just not even separated like unwillingly or maybe willingly from his side to be honest being separated from yeah as you say your wife that is now accused of murder like it's just yeah it's just like sorry just just back up a minute so your now ex has kidnapped a baby and is in a psychiatric ward because she murdered her best friend exactly and you want me to move into the flat where she killed that friend 
and she doesn't know that you're not with her anymore yeah um no that's fine yeah no can't, can't. no thank you bye no 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 but I think I don't know it's a reflection of Haley's age I think because watching it I was like man I wish there'd been someone there to be like don't do this yeah it's not a good idea but she's I don't know how old she was but I'm assuming between 18 and 21 if yeah. she's at uni yeah. she was an undergrad we don't know but it's it's kind of sad because I I'm like yeah I can see why like me at that age would have thought oh but I'm in love with this person and they love me and we're going to build a life together and mm. you kind of would just then push away <laughs> the problems such as the current wife girlfriend who's gone off the rails and killed people mm-hmm. and you think no it's okay our love will conquer all yeah yeah no definitely no but it's fine because then Helen kills him which was great um doesn't she say something like what's wrong trevor are you scared yeah i think something like that yeah something like that which she also says to him i think when she comes home and he comes out and is like oh shit (laughs) she's here and she knows what i've done um oh yeah he also he also says to Haley like when she sort of when helen enters the flat oh yeah he comes out and he's like what's the matter my sweetheart, did you do another boo-boo or something like that? Yeah, he calls her like my little diddy dums or some, something really infantile. And I was like, Ooh. So gross. Ugh. Yeah, it, it was proper like daddy vibes, which if yeah. that's what you're into, that's absolutely fine. I feel uncomfortable if the person's old enough to actually be your daddy. Yeah. But maybe that's what you're into, which is fine. Don't want to yuck anyone's yum. Just was No, weird. but I think in that... Did in you do a boo-boo? Yeah. yeah. In this case, I also felt like it wasn't very consensual. I think she just wanted to please him and mm. he just wanted someone that was very passive and wouldn't sort of challenge him. And I just felt like it was very predatory and gross. I agree. Oh, the only thing that I did notice that made me uncomfortable is the way that Helen is treated in the psychiatric ward. Now, I don't fully know where she is i'm assuming it's not a normal psychiatric ward where people who haven't killed people would be if they were sectioned um i'm assuming it's maybe part of some kind of prison or something i don't know but they were horrible to her and i was in two minds about it because i i get that from their perspective again she's murdered a woman she's kidnapped a baby she's refusing to say where this baby is but she's also clearly from their perspective mentally unwell she believes that there is someone there attacking her in the room and they can't see Candyman like because he is attacking her in the room they can't see that and when she wakes up completely disorientated no idea where she is and is trying to ask questions like where are we where are we going they're responding like we're going to Disneyland yeah I was like why don't why wouldn't you just say like oh you're at this hospital we're gonna go take you to the psychiatrist I I was just so like yeah it's horrible it is and obviously this isn't it's like I wouldn't say it's a a necessarily a reflection on how mentally ill people are treated because I'm aware that at that point they see her as a criminal but she also hasn't gone to trial yet and she as I say obviously if she's wrong in what she's saying and she's hallucinating these things that she's really distressed and why you would antagonize her in that way and just be horrible it's just really sad i also thought it was one thing that i found really strange was that they had put her in sleep for a month 
Yeah. Which I was like, you have no idea what she's been through. You don't, you haven't investigated. Like you just base that on her reaction when you strapped her to a bed. Like yeah. and she, she's being attacked. Yeah. And is, yeah. Yeah. It was horrible. It's really, really bad. Yeah. I think, no, it doesn't reflect well on that mental hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wherever they are, it was, it's just sad. It'd be nice to watch a film where people are mentally unwell and they're treated nicely, whether they've murdered someone or not. Yeah. But I think especially because think they, have. they must have been able to judge that she was not healthy and that she was clearly de- delusional of some sort, like that she was... I mean, she wasn't because she was seeing this man, but mm-hmm. from their point of view, like... They must have, I mean, but maybe like mental health care was very different, 92. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I still don't know how great it is now. There's, but, but yeah, yeah, it kind of doesn't surprise me. But also, obviously, this is a film. Yeah, it's just upsetting and frustrating because, as you say, like they should be experts who know how to care for people like her and they should be able to recognize that she's very confused from their perspective very delusional and while she may be very dangerous she thinks someone else is doing this so she she doesn't understand that yet again from their perspective because as we know it was candy man all along one thing that i also found strange was how i know that i mean obviously she was at the crime scene of all these murders and she usually had a weapon in her hand but one thing that I also thought about I've been watching in lockdown one of my one of the things I watched was Line of Duty so I I was just thinking from like a police perspective like to not investigate that properly could this woman actually cut someone up throughout their body with a knife like is that physically possible for a woman her size and strength wise to do? Like, I just found that it was so strange that they. Yeah. I think so. He's such a tall man as well. Yeah. So, like, in terms of like entry points of the wound and blood spatter and stuff like that, that's such a good point. Yeah. And also because she did, she wasn't, I think at one point she was like, smeared in blood. But from, for example, in the psychiatrist's room, Obviously, all the blood like came on her, but if she would actually have done the wound, I feel like it should have been a different like blood splatter. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they didn't catch her after that one. So, but yeah. anyway, I th- I just think it was like a lot of small things where I was just, are you just gonna assume that she did it because she was there? But then I guess it was like several times and blah blah blah. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. Like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, but um, it's not. It's not a. It, it wasn't a crime film. So mm. <laughs> let me analyze this blood splatter. Yeah. Analyze the microfibers under her name. <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to briefly talk about is that the people from the projects all witness Helen rescuing this baby, so they all believe that Candyman is real. But I really love that the kid Ryan sees sort of the end of Helen going into this pyre and thinks. It's Candyman. It's time. And I love that he's kind of got this personal vendetta against Candyman and almost seems to be the ringleader of the people who he then notifies everyone like, right, Candyman's in the pyre. We need to light it now. And he's just watching so stoically as the whole thing goes 
in frames. <laughs> and it was just amusing to see because he's such a small boy. But so they all see, obviously, she rescues the baby and hands it back to Anne-Marie. And they all come to her funeral because they're aware that she didn't do any of this, that it was Candyman. And in the new film, they tell the story the way I'm assuming it was told in the papers. So someone says like, oh, I've got a ghost story for you and tells the story of Helen. So the story of this film, but it's told in the way that I'm assuming it was told in the papers that Helen went mad and killed a Rottweiler and stole this baby and um, that they managed to get the baby back in the end. Whereas, so it was just kind of interesting that either Noah Creeny Green wanted to tell anyone about it because they didn't think they'd be believed or because they didn't trust the police because the police never meant anything good if they were at the projects or no one believed them. I don't know, but I thought that was interesting because this whole community knows the truth and either, yeah, either they weren't believed or they kept it to themselves out of fear of not being believed or the repercussions of the tale. I don't know. Looking at that from like larger scale as well, I guess the truth it's never the truth if people don't believe you. So I think that also weighs in, you know, prejudice against, you know, certain groups in our society, especially from, you know, police, racism, like all of that weaves into that for not believing people just yeah. from based on how they look and where they're from. So I think it's, it was, I think in that sense, like obviously their story was the truth, but it didn't become the truth because the people that sits on power weren't there. I mean, they were there. The people that sits on power didn't believe them, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which makes sense because they're looking at it as, oh, these are people from the projects. They're mm-hmm. you know, people that shouldn't be trusted. They're all part of gangs and they're not reliable. Why would we listen to them? Yeah. Which is, also, one thing that I also thought about was that the police didn't really have a presence in the projects. You would think that if someone just had got murdered and the way they got murdered, they would have. I mean, Helen mentions that also, obviously, when she says when she says that thing about like two people got murdered and nothing happened. And now when I got uh, assaulted, the whole place is on lockdown. So I guess it ties into that as well. But it's just, yeah, it's just insane to think that like, a murder like that would happen and then there wouldn't be any kind of presence from any kind of authorities that would sort of try to follow this up or you know make sure that no one else gets injured or hurt um yeah before we do our rating um fun fact for you all uh just before we started recording i was talking to lee about the bees on tony todd the guy who plays Candyman. And there's a shot where he's got all these bees in his mouth. And I was like, that can't be real. That's Surely that's not real. And he was like, uh, yes, it is. Googled. And he had all of those bees in his mouth. He had some kind of guard, I think, to protect his mouth and to stop them from going down his throat. But those were real bees. Oh. And he negotiated a $1,000 bonus for every bee sting he got, of which he got 23. Um, so he made lots of extra money from getting stung by all those bees. But I was like... I can't believe those. That, that's the most horrifying thing about this film. I cannot believe those are real bees. That's that's actually insane. That is. Like, actors in the 90s, man. Imagine being like, so we're just going to put all these bees in your mouth. If you could just be terrifying while it's happening and then just somehow release them onto Helen. What? 
So were the real bees on her as well then? I don't know. I'm assuming so. But obviously they're on him way more than they are on her. Oh, oh so gross. I know. So that's, sorry, that's my fun fact. So I was like, what are you talking about? They can't be real bees. That is <laughs> There's so no way they would do that to someone. But yeah, no. Cool. So shall we rate the film? Yes, let's do it. Okay, so for the ladies, the ladies, 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 what should we say out of okay, five? Very high, five, yeah. You want to give it five? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> After you were saying you don't want there being all the boobs in it and that she's really pretty all the time. Oh, true. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I just disregarded everything I said before. <laughs> like, out <no>, five. <laughs> I feel like a three. Yeah, it's kind I mean, of okay because more appropriate. Yeah, because I also feel like Bernadette and Marie Haley, like the other women in the film, they felt very much like secondary characters that were backing up Helen. Yeah, and didn't seem to have much depth in character. I agree. There were, I don't know, maybe three is too mean. Maybe four because she was really complicated. Like she is a complicated ca- character, and I think that's also what what confused me because she's not one that some one dimensional as we yeah. usually our characters on film. But then I was annoyed by all the boobs. Yeah, uh, and she wasn't like useless as well. Like when she goes to Candyman and sees him asleep, she tries to kill him and she stabs him. And she also does think that going to him is the only way to save that baby. And she does then rescue the baby. So she's not, because I think often in horror films, you just get women just screaming, oh my God. Yeah. So many of these old horror films. I also watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time recently. And fucking hell, the majority of that film is just this one woman running and screaming. Yeah. Which, to be fair, a man wearing like a skin mask was chasing her with a chainsaw. But I was like, if she just shut up, he would not be able to hear her over the sound of the chainsaw. And she should yes. run away to freedom. But no, she's screaming her freaking head off the whole time. I was just like, nah. What? Okay, so should we maybe give it a four? Yeah, let's and give then, it a four. Knock it a point. Why, why it's not five is because of the boobs. Yes, the boobs. <laughs> um, boobs are great. But and then the intersectional side, I feel like it, can, it scores pretty well. The only, I don't know whether I'd want to give it a three or a four. I think a three, just because I think mainly based on that, the intersectional characters in the film doesn't have much interaction. Yeah, like it doesn't pass the intersectional Bechdel test and it does feel, I don't know, like it's not, it's not very complimentary towards black people, I guess is what uh, I'd say. Like it is nice that Bernadette is you know she's on the same level as Helen at this university she's an academic and we see black people throughout the film doing different roles Mm -hmm. but yeah I I just there's something about it being this black man yeah and I think once again chasing a white woman exactly goes back to the whole motive and narrative and like his Mm -hmm. not I think feel like the creators of I don't know if this motive and this story comes from the book or if they inter- interpret it this way. But the whole thing about him then sort of murdering a like his own community and his own group, and then be like a white woman, it just doesn't make sense narrative wise. I feel yeah. So I think from that point of view as well, it they just- always make it seem like he raped that woman. I mean, yeah. they do say like they fell in love and 
she got pregnant. But then the way he is with Helen and the way he is after makes it seem like he forced her, which exactly. is not, which doesn't tie in with what really happened and doesn't feel good. Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah. Cool. So let's give it a three. The new Candyman, I think, would get a time out of ten because it's really hard not just to be like so then this happens blah, 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 and this I'm is really excited to watch this now is it, is it only in cinemas? yes yeah, yeah Lee and I went to see it in the cinema last week um, we also saw Suicide Squad The Suicide Squad which was also good not as good as Candyman or Birds of Prey but better than the first Suicide Squad oh by far by a long mile yeah way better but that's a film for another time so that means Candyman gets four, five, six, seven good maths Candyman gets seven out of ten which is not too bad to be fair um it is really frustrating that everyone behind the scenes was white in the big roles and male mm. like normally we get at least a producer that's a woman but no not this time mm. but hey never mind as i said the new Candyman film knocks this out of the park in terms of intersectionality and it's bloody great if this is an ad for anything, it's the new Candyman. Go see it. If it's still in the cinema by the time this comes out, it would make a great spooky season film, for sure. I really want to see it again, but I can't afford to. <laughs> so <laughs> I will wait for it to come out on Now TV or whatever. So thank you to Hedvig. And thank you very much to Lee for editing and producing and doing the artwork, which is always good. But this one in particular, Chef's Kiss. Mwah, very good. Very good. It's amazing. You will see it on social media. It's really cool. Really cool. Thank you very much to Sandra for the music you hear at the beginning and end of this podcast. If you want to get involved in the social medias and let us know what you think about Candyman, the new one and the old one, I'm here to talk to people about the new one if you want to talk to me. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Real Feminism. That's Real Start R W E L. And we will be back in your ears in two weeks' time when spooky season. You're welcome for that. Continues, and we will be discussing Get Out, another, well, this wasn't Jordan Peele, but a Jordan Peele film. We are very excited. But until then, bye. Bye.